I'm Angela Ross, and this is SoCal Voices, and I am delighted to have a friend returning to the podcast today. She is the CEO of Feeding America Riverside San Bernardino, and just in time for the holidays, she's here to catch us up on what she's been up to and how you can step up and be a real holiday hero to the food insecure in our region. Stephanie, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, I'm, I'm glad. Hey, look, let's really quick recap your bio and personal experience in terms of how you came to be a CEO of Feeding America Riverside San Bernardino. What's your personal story and how does that connect to what you're doing now? Sure. Well, I had always worked for nonprofit organizations. I'm a numbers nerd, a CPA by trade. So I specialized in nonprofit organizations and the food bank about six years ago was looking for a part-time CFO. So I initially started as their CFO and was really excited to be working for such an amazing organization. And about three months later, I became interim CEO at that time. Was not planning that, was not on the path. I was hoping to kind of, you know, part-time, enjoy the kids. But, you know, God had other plans, so became CEO. But, you know, my life has come full circle because I, as a child, suffered from food insecurity and poverty myself. So this is so much more than a job for me. It really is a passion and it really just keeps me motivated, inspired. And I'm just so grateful to be the CEO for this organization. Well, it sounds like you have had a real fantastic 2021. Can you highlight some of the things that the organization has been able to accomplish in the past year? Sure. 2021, you know, it's been very, very busy. We still have the pandemic affecting our community. So many people are still trying to get their grounding, still trying to get back on their feet. Many people lost their jobs during the pandemic and so forth. So we're still seeing a great need in the community for food as busy as ever to be expected, right? And now we're jumping into the holiday season. So we're offering food distribution through so many different channels. One way is we have nearly 300 nonprofit organizations that we work with. We call them community partners. So they get food through us and then they distribute it through their hunger relief programs. We also offer um, our HERO program, which is a homebound delivery program. So for those individuals who don't have transportation or um, are immunocompromised, you know, have basically don't have access to get to a grocery store. We offer home delivery through that. We offer um, distributions every month, emergency food boxes to offer. We offer CalFresh SNAP assistance on a regular basis. Now during the holidays, we are distributing turkeys and trimmings and pies for community members. We also have a military veterans program where every month we assist 500 military families that live within the veteran villages in the IE. They're located in Beaumont, Loma Linda, San Bernardino, and um, Moreno Valley. So lots happening at the food bank. We're very busy. Well, and you also uh, recently had your annual gala, correct? Your Million Meals Gala. I want you to talk a little bit about that event, what its purpose is and how you've been able to to help families through through that program. And then tell us about the highlights from from this year. What what happened there? Sure. The gala was really exciting. It was wonderful to finally have an event where we could all be in person together again after a year of not having any events. Last year in 2020, we weren't able to really conduct any fundraising efforts just because of the pandemic and and trying to social distance and keep everyone safe. So this year, although we all still wore masks, we were able to actually have our gala. We had nearly 200 people in attendance. The CEO of Feeding America National, Claire Babineau-Fontenot, and I hope 
hope I'm not messing up her name. <laughs> she was our keynote speaker. And it was really great to hear her, her story and hear her passion for feeding, you know, working for the Feeding American Network as well. So it was a really great event. Our goal was to raise about $140,000. The, the goal is to raise enough funds for a million meals. So we were short of that, just shy, just shy of that. But it was a very, very successful event. And the whole goal of that is to enable us to continue to keep feeding people in the community. You know, as a nonprofit organization, we're a little bit different than for profits in the sense that we don't sell anything, we don't manufacture anything. So we truly rely on the generosity and compassion of other people to allow us to continue providing the services that we do. There's a tremendous amount of work that goes into distributing food into the community, not just labor, but just acquiring the food, having it get sorted, having it get packaged, and then distributed. So we're not able to do that without people supporting our organization. So we're truly grateful. Talk about a couple of the partners that you had in the the Million Gallo event and how they help you throughout the year, not just for sponsoring your your big party, uh, although that's important, but uh, how they help you throughout the year. Who are a couple of uh, major players in the region that work with you all? Sure. Wow. There are so many. I mean, Stater Brothers comes to mind because they have just been a supporter of our efforts for many, many years. And they help in a variety of ways. Sometimes it's financially. Sometimes it's by hosting food drives in their stores for our food bank. Um, you know, they sponsor events for us. So they are tremendous tremendous supporters. Target is also another really great supporter. They continue to help us in a variety of different ways, a variety of different fundraising efforts. And also individuals, individuals as well. We honored Julius Abalera. He's a member of the Triumph Club of Southern California. And he, every year since I have been the CEO, he's the kindest man you will ever meet. But every single year, he, he rallies the members of his club to make donations. And he chooses our organization to donate to. And so, you know, every dollar helps. And that's what we always say, whether it's hundreds of thousands of dollars that organizations do or just a few dollars. The wonderful thing about helping our organization is one dollar can is the equivalent to seven mils. I don't know where else you can stretch a dollar so far. So you know, I don't even know if you can get a cup of coffee anymore for a dollar. I think it's a little <laughs> bit over a dollar now. So it's just a great way to give back and really be impactful with any level of giving. Mm -hmm. So looking at uh, the area that you serve most immediately, you know, Talk a little bit about the the needs of folks in, in the region. I think a lot of people still uh, have difficulty visualizing food insecurity. I mean, they, they expect to see the, the most extreme images of children starving and maybe the distended bellies and all of that exists. And yeah, that we need to deal with that on a global scale. But there is a real hunger need that occurs in our region. Talk about what that looks like in the area that you serve. Sure. I think the first thing I usually tell people is there are so many assumptions around hunger. I think I have them myself, even though I suffer from food insecurity myself was, you know, you, you imagine it's a homeless person at the corner. But to be honest with you, the majority of people that we feed are just everyday people like you and me. And they've just come across hard times, whether it's a medical, you know, incident that's occurred that's now caused them to lose income. So they find themselves with not having enough funds available to provide three meals a day to their family. It could be job loss. There could be mental issues. You know, one of the primary 
areas in our community that we serve that people are surprised about are military and veterans, because, you know, this is a this is a community that we revere and we honor. Right. And there's so much pride with our military that you don't imagine that many of them are suffering from food insecurity. But the reality is, is they're one of the biggest you know facets within our community that do suffer from food insecurity. And and part of that is, you know, education. Many of them, when they enlist in the military, it's straight out of high school. So then when they get out of the military, they realize they no longer have the qualifications or skills to get higher paying jobs. So they find themselves at a crossroads. Also in the military, when you have families with children, spouses are unable to get jobs just because of the nature of the military. They're stationed, you know, one to three years in different areas. It's usually a temporary situation. So employers are really reluctant to hire spouses and offer them jobs just because of that temporary situation. So oftentimes they find themselves living on a one income, but trying to support several members of their family and their dollars can only go so far. You know, I think back 25 years or so, my husband was in the military. We were newly married and his annual income was $12,000. Not a lot. I was a full-time college student. We didn't have kids at the time, but I remember money being very, very tight. So I can't imagine that amount of income. And then you add a couple of, of other members of your family to the mix. It's very, very difficult to them. A lot of them also, when they leave the military, They suffer from mental issues such as PTSD, anxiety, depression. And although there are VA services, the amount of services the VA can provide based on the need that's out there, they can't keep up with demand. So unfortunately, you find a lot of them unable to hold jobs because they turn to alcohol or drugs. So there's a lot of a lot of issues that impact our military and veteran community. And I don't think people really think of them when I think of people who are food insecure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, we, you know, we have this image in our head that they are so self-sufficient, so self-reliant, so disciplined, this and that, but they are human, right? Right. And, and stuff happens, life happens right. sometimes. And so that's a group that is served uh, by by your organization. How about, because uh, we're trying to dispel myths here, right? So how right. about, uh, let's talk about some folks who have a job and they go to work every day. They may have an apartment if they're fortunate. Talk about that that individual, those groups of folks who are not getting enough food every day. What's happening with them? And we see them around us. They're, they're all over the place, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I think, you know, we're in a high cost of living state, you know, California. We're seeing food prices on the rise. I mean, gasoline, right? Just exorbitant right now, the amount of the, the price of gasoline, housing, rent increases. And, you know, many minimum wage, I think, is at $14 an hour right now. I think the living wage for our county is somewhere between $19 and $20 an hour. So there's a huge gap between the minimum wage and the living wage. So when you play in all those factors, it's no wonder that so many families are struggling. So many families are struggling. I just um, was looking at some statistics yesterday and our vacancy rate for housing is less than 1% in the IE. So if you are a person who is struggling um, and not even making a living wage, you can see how it'd be so difficult to really make ends meet here in our community. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for folks who are listening, it's like you have to get out of your head that it's this, oh, you know, everybody's okay. We've got grocery stores all around. We've got farmers markets and and people are are busy and they're working. And so it's really not that serious a problem. It can't be that bad. Yeah, it is. It is a problem. And all of us 
um, have a role to play in, in helping to alleviate this situation. And fortunately, there are things we can do. And so I want you to talk about um, what you've got planned between now, it's, it's November, we're, we're, we're bordering on Thanksgiving, and the holidays, the winter holidays are coming, we've got Christmas, etc. What can people uh, do to help support your mission and particularly address some of the greater needs that exist for families during this holiday period? Sure. The great thing is, is we have so many opportunities for people to help. So obviously, you know, monetary donations, if people are able to afford that, we can really do so much more with a dollar than we can with a can of green beans. So that's something we often say to people is whatever you can donate, all of that is so appreciated. And 98% of every donation goes directly back into our hunger relief programs. So really great. We're on GuideStar and have the transparency seal for that because not many organizations can say 98% of their donations go back into their programs, but we proudly can. So donations are always welcome. Volunteering time. It takes a tremendous amount of volunteer hours to get our food out into the community. We have a small team here. We're um, a team of 28 staff members. We couldn't distribute 30 million pounds of food into the community by ourselves. We really do rely on volunteers. So we offer volunteer opportunities here at the warehouse Monday through Friday and some Saturdays. All of this can be, you can sign up for volunteer opportunities and see what's available on our website at feedingie.org. And if you can't give money and if you can't give time, I think just advocating, you know, sharing that we're here, that we're offering. We post on all of our social media outlets when we're having distributions or when our partners are having distributions and, and sharing those posts. You never know if your neighbor may be someone who's in need. So I think just just advocating and sharing the resources that are available to the community and letting them know that helps here if they need it. That's fantastic. That's good. It's really easy, right? All people have so to easy. do is <laughs> there's many, many options available. So as you look ahead to 2022, it just seems like the 2021 just zipped by, right? It just went so fast. What are some of the plans and goals you have for uh, Feeding America, Riverside, San Bernardino in the coming year? Sure. The word that comes to mind for us is growth, right? Growth. 2020, our word was persevere because of the pandemic. And we did. And it taught us that we were adaptable and really flexible and were able to really easily and efficiently accommodate our model based on the needs of the community. So I think as we look forward, we want to focus on growth, how we can do more and do it better. If there are people who don't know about us, that's a problem. We want everyone to have access to food who doesn't have access to food. So we want to make sure that we're known, letting everyone know we're here, we're ready to serve you, we have food to offer to you. There's no reason anyone in our community should go without food. So that's our goal moving forward is how can we do what we're doing, but do it better and do it bigger. That's great. That's great. I want you to circle back to the to the gala for a minute. You mentioned that Feeding America's super CEO was there. Uh, what was it that she mentioned in her remarks to you all at the gala that really resonated with you? Was there something that uh, was especially interesting or or inspiring for you as as a leader? Sure. I think with Claire, 
I had listened to her speak a few times on Zoom and various conferences, but meeting her in person, you realize that what you see is what you get with Claire. So first off, she's very genuine, very genuine, very compassionate. She makes every single person feel like they're important. And I think that's hard and rare to find in a leader. So that's one of the main things. But then she also shared her story of, of growing up and her parents. I'll let you read her story because it's out there online. I think the New York Times just did a recent article on her, but they, they fostered over 100 kids during their, their time. And that's just, I mean, it shows in her how they raised her. And I think just the qualities that she has, she's just so endearing. So she's just one, a powerful speaker. And then knowing her story and knowing that also being CEO of the Feeding America Network is so much more than a job to her. It's you can tell she truly cares. She's truly passionate about the mission. And for me, that's inspiring. It inspires me as a leader as well to know that I'm under someone of that magnitude um, is really inspiring and motivating for me as well. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you did mention the website. I know you have a, a several social media platforms. Let's run through those really quick so people know how to find you guys and get in touch with you, uh, whether they want to volunteer or whether they want to help support your organization. Sure. Our website is feedingie.org. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. If you just type in Feeding America IE or Feeding America Riverside San Bernardino, you will find us. Awesome. Very good. Well, Stephanie, it was really good to talk to you again today. I love your energy and the work that you're doing in the community is outstanding. Uh, the area is very well served by your organization. And we wish you all the best through the end of this year and into 2022. Thank you, Angela. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks. I'm Angela Ross. Thanks for listening to SoCal Voices. We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to contact us at SoCalVoices.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SoCal Voices.